Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> You'd think I would clear my throat ahead of time. Hey, it's Larry Jacobs. Today is April 4th, and this is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio as I abruptly turn off the music. But we're here anyway, and thank you for being here today for a good show with my good friends from CASE, the Council of Administrators of Special Education. We've got their Director of Communications and Membership. If you are a Special Ed Administrator, you should absolutely join CASE, which is part of CEC. We've got Bridget Bright here, Dr. Bright, and she has brought with her someone who's been here before, if I remember correctly, Dan Habib. Uh, Dan is the Inclusive Communities Project Director for the Westchester Institute. That's one word, Westchester. Westchester Institute for Human Development and is the founder of Live Right Now films it's all connected up here on the website you can probably see it but he's got a new um initiative going it's a public awareness campaign we're going to focus on that a little bit today it's called think higher think college and obviously it is for uh, it, it's for people who have some disability of some sort i even hate the word disability okay they have a, a different challenge in learning okay but they got to think about going to college and dance working on that Okay, and there's going to be a Think College Awareness Week, April 24th. Today is the 4th, so 20 days from now, April 24th, 28th, which will include virtual events and webinars, and Dan's going to be talking all about that today. We're going to archive the show with Bridget, I might add, okay? And uh, we're going to archive the show at ace-ed.org. Tomorrow, we're going to have our new issue of Equity and Access up there. We're running a day late on that one, okay? And... um uh, it's going to be a great issue. We're going to be talking about the book banning and all that sort of stuff. You know, we really do care about equity and access. Uh, it, it's just so important these days and more important than ever, okay? And we have to keep that that those those thoughts working and alive. And so, please, everything we do over there at the uh, uh, our uh, home website of the American Consortium for Equity and Education, everything we do over there is free. So please go over to ace-ed.org, see everything we do. We archive our podcast. You'll see the podcast link. We have Social Emotional Learning, SEL Today. We have teacherretention.com. You'll see it all linked. And also our magazine, which you will enjoy. It's an online journal called ace-ed.org. So please check it all out. Again, it's all free. And today's podcast is all part of what we do at our American Consortium for Equity in Education. And so, without further ado, ladies first, good morning, Bridget Bright, Dr. Bright. Good Larry morning, here. Larry. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, Bridget. How are you? Are you in Arkansas today? I am in Arkansas today. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm a little uh, allergy-ridden, to be honest, if I, <laughs> if I sound such. We're kind of in full bloom here, which is beautiful, but oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, you sound wonderful, okay? You don't sound clogged up at all, and I hope your allergies go away quick. Okay, welcome to springtime. <laughs> all right, what can I tell you? Dan, am I right? You've been here before, right? Yeah, I think we have been there. Hi, Larry. It's great to How you talk doing? to you again. Good. I really appreciate the invitation. I'm good. You're always welcome here, my friend. And what struck me, I remembered your name and all that sort of stuff, and then I see that you live in Concord, New Hampshire. Okay, I live in Maine, if you remember that. I don't know. But you, That's my kids right. grew up, yeah. My kids grew up in Exeter. And when I saw that Concord, yeah. New, New Hampshire, okay, you know, we lived in Exeter before we moved to Maine. And um, it all of a sudden rang a bell and came, came back to me. Okay, we're going to talk about all your wonderful projects that you're doing. I'm going to start off really simply. Bridget, just tell everybody the work of CASE and what you guys do 
to further the aims of good special education across the country? I'd love to. So as you referenced, um, cases, the, the Council of Administrators of Special Education, and we provide leadership to advance the field of special education through professional learning, policy, and advocacy. That's our mission statement, and we live that every single day. All decisions made for our nonprofit organization funnels through those very those three very important topics. Um, you and know our our core values. Uh, what, Larry? No, he's going to say you go ahead. I'll I'll, I'll wait till you are finished. <laughs> so go you ahead. know we have the core values: of visionary leadership, inclusionary practices, which is the perfect reason to have Dan uh, be our guest today. Yep. Um, engagement and integrity. And so what we do is represent uh, special education leaders from across the country, and we like to say that we're the voice of special education leaders uh, because we are very vibrant on advocacy pieces and furtherance profession and uh, representing all the ideals that you also represent in equity and equity. Well, thank you. You do better than us, but we, we try our best here, but we do. We, we work hard because we work with partner with folks like you at, at Case to get it done. i got to tell you, it's, it's very, very important. And just an anecdotal look from Bridget, how are we doing with special ed right now? What's, what's the key things that we're all concerned about from Case? Sure. So one thing is, and <clears throat> this is part of the article that we included in the last Equity and Access um, publication, mm-hmm. is that we're given the message that special education is working. We are elevating the field of special oh, education. Please. Oftentimes, yeah. what you hear is, are the negatives, and um, we represent that across the country there are professionals that are working very, very hard to provide high-quality services to students, and um, we want to share those positive stories that special education is working. Now, what's on the forefront is that we have uh, several things coming out this, these next couple months. Um, the OSERS and OSEPs have been giving discipline guidance, and so we're offering professional learning around that with the Discipline Boot Camp with Julie Weatherly. Uh, and then also, that's in April, and then in June, we're anticipating proposed regulations from the Office, Office for Civil Rights. And so we're going to be supporting wow. members with professional learning around that as well. Yes. There's so much going on. By the way, Julie Weatherly is really important. She's a terrific lawyer that deals with a lot of important things about special education. And although this show, we're highlighting special education, I always say so many kids are mainstream that all teachers need to know about this. And certainly all principals and administrators need to know what's going on in special education. And sometimes I say it's special because the teachers are special. Okay. They're special <laughs> great people, you know, and uh, you know, the kids are, the kids are doing okay. Okay. Uh, we have a job to teach mm-hmm. them and we do the very best we can. And on that note, Okay, let me thank you, Bridget. Let me swing over to Dan. Okay, Dan, again, I'm going to say the Inclusive Communities Project Director, Westchester Institute for Human Development. Dan, tell us what all that is, okay, and how you got sure. involved in this, how you got involved yeah. in all this. Got Happy to do so, Larry. Thank you. Well, Please. first of all, I've had a great collaboration with Case for probably 15 years um, since my first film, including Samuel, came out. And so there's a very personal backstory to why I'm here today, which is that I have a, a <laughs> 23-year-old son, who's now a young man for sure, but um, yeah. has had a lifelong disability. And so I was not in this field at all before Sam was born. I was a photojournalist for 20 years. But when you have a child with a disability, a lot of things change in your life. And this was one of them. I, I changed my career. 
I started making films and documentary films about disability rights issues, inclusive education. We, my wife and I, became very strong advocates for inclusive education, which of course means working closely with school administrators, principals, teachers, family members. Um, and I, I found that the best way I could make change in society is to keep showing people what it looks like to be done well. And so I've been traveling around the country nice. doing films in, in schools for the last 15 years full-time and now have this wonderful new partnership opportunity with CASE to include more students with intellectual disability in college. And, and I, this is going to work out just great. I hope it's you, – well, you're, you're the founder, and I want to say this, like right now, one word, like right now, like, like right now, films. Right. Okay. Exactly. And if people go over exactly. there. What will they? What will they see? I hope people do go over there, check it out. But talk about sure. just a couple of the movies you've done, and and also where you are showing them, and how people can easily access them. That's important. Sure. So, um, like right now, films is the film production company where all my films are on that website, like right now films dot com. Um, so people can check out lots of free material. You know, we we have a mission to serve the public and create educational material. So we're actually based, I'm based at a nonprofit, as you said, the Westchester Institute for Human Development. My son Samuel works there part-time as well as a presenter yeah. and, and a partner nice. on my film projects. So, um, so you know, I've done uh, a bunch of larger films, including Samuel, was about his early childhood years and our journey to include him in every aspect of society, school, community, sports, everything. Um, and then I focused more on students with emotional and behavioral disabilities and did a film called Who Cares About Kelsey?, that was set, set at a high school with a young woman who had a lot of um, trauma in her life, a lot of ADHD, other very significant mm. issues that she had to work through. And then I turned my attention more towards intellectual disability and autism and did a film in the late uh, in 2018 called Intelligent Lives that focused on these transition years that we're talking about today on how do students with autism, intellectual disability go to college? How do they get into the workforce? Yeah. How do they have full yeah. lives in the community? So all those films are on public television nationally. And then most recently, I'm working with my son Samuel on a film called My Disability Roadmap, which was in the New York Times in May, which was exciting to have that across the world, and it's freely available on the New York Times site as well as our site. Um, and we're now expanding that into a feature film. And, Larry, you'll be happy to know really? we are showing it at Exeter High School tomorrow, just coincidentally. Oh, wow. Exeter High School. There you now, I live in Maine now. i got to be fair, but my kids grew up. We lived there in Exeter for a thousand years. Okay, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's yeah, fun. Exactly. Okay, what, a, what, a, what a coincidence. Jeez, yeah. I didn't realize so, that. Yeah, so, so, so <laughs> just funny. to kind of top that off, you know, we, based on all the public awareness and educational work that I've done, yeah. that's why I was invited to be part of this, this new project that I know we're going to talk about. Yeah, this Think Higher, Think College. Okay, which we are going to talk exactly. about in, in just a second. You left out a film. There's one called Mr. Connolly as ALS. Okay. Yeah, I've done, you know, yeah. I, I, I talked about the feature length film, so that was a shorter yeah. film, but a very powerful ah, film okay. about Samuel's high school principal who, um, who, who developed ALS. And so suddenly this principal that was very devoted yeah. to inclusive education, to diversity, to equity, to access yeah. in every way, um, became a person with a disability, and the school that he had fostered this incredibly inclusive community and it was now welcoming him as a disabled person. And, and, and the film features mm. some communication between Samuel and Mr. Connolly, both using communication devices because neither one has the ability to speak fluidly. So it's a very powerful emotional film that people can watch in, in its entirety on our website, like right now, films.com. 
right like right now films are coming. Did you say that your films are on PBS? Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, my, I've had four films on uh, nationally broadcast on PBS. The ones that I mentioned uh, earlier. That's great. Now, are you working with Boston PBS or New Hampshire PBS or where? Um, I do I do work with them at times, but we I work at the national level usually to have them ah. distributed nationally. But but they do air in New Hampshire and Boston and all over New England as well. Of course, yeah, yeah. My wife works down at WGBH. That's why I was asking. Okay. Oh sure, yeah, I've yeah. definitely worked with them. Yeah, I figured. I figured the Boston one. Okay, that's pretty cool. And again, yeah. you live in the Concord, New Hampshire. Okay, you've really done a great job. And one last question, Dan, before we move on to Thin College. Where were you a photojournalist? Where did you photojourn? <laughs> I photojourn. I worked for the Concord Monitor in Concord, New Hampshire, for oh, the yeah. majority of my career. I was the, a photographer, and then I became director of the photography department for 13 years. We actually, um, the paper won a Pulitzer Prize for photography when I was working there. Wow, I did that project. So That's exciting. Huge. Yeah, it was a big deal. And then, um, and then I was freelance for about four years. So I did, a, I did a lot of other subject matter that never involved my family, of course, until until I decided to turn the camera on my own family for including <laughs> Samuel back in 2008. There you go. You did a good. You, you did a good thing. You're going to have it. So is Bridget. I, I hope when you so. get there, write so. me a postcard. When you get there, write me a postcard. <laughs> Tell me what it's like. Okay. <laughs> So, so then, <laughs> okay, now, now you guys linked up, and you just said this for the past 15 years. Bridget, do you know that history at all? I know you're newer to the case. No, I'm new. like you said, I'm newer to the case. I just know yeah, that yeah. Um, we had a great call with Dan, and uh, case fully supports uh, all-inclusive all practices. But for sure, um, this uh, exciting one that's going to occur later this month with the uh, Think Higher, Think College Awareness Week. And so, in our conversation, I told Dan, I said, we have got to get you with Larry Jacobs. We'll have a conversation with Larry. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. And by the way, one thing I have to say, and Dan, I don't know if you know this, Bridget lives in, in, in Arkansas, okay? Yeah. And, and as you, as you yeah. just heard, the more you talk to her, the more Arkansas her accent gets, okay? <laughs> but but she. <laughs> But but if, if, if you're not even from Arkansas. She's from somewhere. Where are you from? Well, you're from somewhere else. What, what state? Well, I was born um, in Chicago and raised about case. 10. So. You've lost the Chicago yeah. accent. I just want you to feel solid about that. You lost the Chicago accent. That was so <laughs> funny. Okay, the more you talk, the more it gets to Arkansas. Okay, very good. All right, Bridget, thanks. This is great. And, Dan, tell us about this Think Higher Think College. Oh, no, before we do that, I want to ask some Westchester Institute for Human Development. What is that? Mm-hmm. Is that your thing or, is so, it, or are you working with them? Just talk no, what that is. No, it's a big, it's a big, you know, multi, you know, $20 million nonprofit uh, with about okay, 300 employees. But I have a, a piece of that. So they, Westchester Institute for Human Development is part of a national network called University Centers on Excellence and Disability. And every state has at least one. University of Maine has one, University of New Hampshire. Um, and so that, those institutes are basically focused on disability policy, you know, looking at how do we improve inclusive education, how do we improve housing, transportation, all these issues. So I'm based at that uh, University Center on Excellence and Disability within this larger nonprofit. Okay, cool. Thank you. I just wanted to get that clear yep. so we could do this. So now, now talk about Think, think College. So, excuse me. Think Higher. Think, no, Think College. I was right. Think, think wait, yep. I got this right here. Think, think higher, yeah, think, think college. higher, think college. Look at the two things sure. at the same time. Think right. higher, think so college. Is, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, happy to. So this is. Uh, and by the way, is this your baby, well, or are yeah. you just wait? Are, is this your baby, the Think College, or this is or are not you my just baby? I, I am. 
I am co-parenting this with many, many other people. <laughs> cool. Okay. Um, think, think college. Think college is a is a law. Takes a, a village. Well established. Yeah, exactly. But Think College is a very well-established um, national technical assistance and training center that's been around for more than 10 years. And it's funded from the Office of Post-Secondary and of the U.S. federal government. So oh, nice. they've been working for 10 years under the leadership of Meg Grigal and Deborah Hart to increase college access for students with intellectual disabilities. So intellectual disability is a, is a specific, you know, cognitive disability. And um, a lot of those students have very, unfortunately, poor outcomes. And so what they realize that students who are able to go to college have much better outcomes. Um, and so this has been around for 10 years, but this new campaign is to try and expand access even further. And, and I just have to give you a little bit of background for why this is so important. There are sure. 420,000 school-age students with intellectual disability in the U.S., and only about 2% of them are likely to go to college. So far fewer than the, the general population. Unfortunately, most young adults and, and adults with intellectual disability have very low employment rates. Only 15% That's right. will have paid employment in the community. About 40% of them will end up attending either a day program or a sheltered workshop, which is like a segregated work environment just for people with disabilities. Yeah. Almost yeah. half of them report they feel lonely uh, often or sometimes, and about a third of them live below the poverty line. So those are really awful outcomes that, that we know can change if more of them are able to go to college. Because if you go to college, that same population has about a 60% rate of, of obtaining employment. They have much higher incomes, and they, um, and they end up getting the social connections, the, the social capital, the educational opportunities, the independent living opportunities that anybody gets when they go to college. So that's what this campaign is all about, is increasing that access. And, and, and are the colleges prepared uh, you know, we want to get the kids in there, but are the colleges, the professors, et cetera, prepared to handle, and, and Bridget, you may know the answer to this too, uh, 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 an onslaught, so to speak, or a lot of, of kids with, the intele- with intellectual disabilities? Well, what do you, well, what do you I'll start, and then Bridget maybe can jump in too. Uh, I'll, I'll, um, so I would say, first of all, there are, there, there are more than 300 programs around the country that are specifically designed to support and include students with intellectual disability in, in college. So you might say, wow, that's great. There's 300 programs. But there are more than 4,500 colleges around the country. <laughs> so that's a fairly small percentage. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so we're, one of the things we're trying to do is expand the number of schools that are, are, are really organized well to accept and include and support students with intellectual disability. Because, sure, if you plop a student with significant learning challenges into a college with no supports, without the kind of peer mentorship they're going to get, yeah, it's going to be a struggle. But what we're hearing from a lot of the administrators at the colleges that we've interviewed is that it actually makes the college a better environment because teachers mm-hmm. innovate their teaching styles. They start teaching in more universal design for learning. They mm-hmm. differentiate their instruction. Sure. It creates a more caring and diverse community. And, you know, diversity includes disability. So to, to not have disability well represented in college is not well represented. It's not creating true diversity. So, Bridget, I don't know if you want to add on to, to any of that. Well, I agree with exactly what Sam is saying. There are pockets that have that are doing this very well across the country, but it's it's not the numbers you want to see, and that's why this awareness campaign is so very important. And to what Dan said is, you know, there needs to be the assumption, and of course, that any child that's going to be graduating or young man or woman graduating from high school, they're going to be seeking employment or post-secondary uh, opportunities or vo training. 
Um, and that needs to be the expectation for all students, including students with disabilities. And so as colleges rethink maybe different programs and things that they offer, there's a whole population that right now is just not able to um, access uh, the, uh, the post-secondary education. And it's a great, great, great opportunity, students and then also universities. And I, was, uh, I just knew Dan would get there, and I love that he said it, but <laughs> ultimately, when we are uh, looking at public education, we are raising a community, correct? We're raising um, uh, diverse populations and how we program and treat people in public ed and then also post-secondary ed is how the community at large will treat populations. Mm -hmm. And so to exactly right. have the assumption that everybody is welcome, there is a place for you here, and that, you know, looking and depending on what their uh, goals may be after high school or after college, uh, for gainful employment, I just think it is a community that's our responsibility to uh, support students in any way we can. And so that's why Case was so excited <laughs> about sharing be. this awareness. Yeah. And, and Larry, if I could Bridget was getting at really eloquently, which is that, you know, transition planning is a very intentional process for young adults with, with any young adult, really, but particularly those with disabilities. And you have to think about what are we going to introduce as options into the student's life. And this is why we're so excited to partner with CASE, because their yeah. membership are exactly the people who are doing this on the front lines, right? And are we going to introduce the notion of college to every single student with intellectual disability as a possibility? They're, of course, they're not all going to go, but frankly, not students without disabilities shouldn't all go to college either. You know, it's not for everybody. But if we can take that 2% number of those that are currently attending college and get it to 4% or 5% or 10%, that is a game changer, you know, for outcomes for, all, for hundreds of thousands of, of young adults. So to have this really emphasized as part of the transition planning process is a huge goal of this campaign. And you stole my next question because, I, you know, we're talking about <laughs> colleges. <laughs> you did, okay, which is just fine. But we're talking about colleges being able to work with these, with these students, all right? But we have to put it into the kids' heads and the parents' heads as well that there may be college in the future for this, for this child, all right? And that, that, that's going to fall, okay, on the special ed departments of a K-12 system. And let's just say it's in high school where that might start, okay? Bridget, that's your folks. How do we, and maybe the film helps, but are, are they understanding that this is possible to do? Mm -hmm. Are they getting it into their heads? Are they working with the college counselors? I mean, a zillion question comes up, but it has to start there. It can't just start the minute mm -hmm. they graduate and lay it on the college, okay? It has to start in the, in the, in the school, in a K-12 school. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, – even before transition planning, it varies by state. It can start at 14, start at 16. Even that's too late. I yeah. would always say as a director that transition planning starts at preschool and kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that work at those levels look like high expectations. Is putting out there, and, and we have a lot of work here in the state of Arkansas around inclusive practices, and one of the things that uh, has been talked about very heavily is the least dangerous assumption. And so the least dangerous assumption would be that IEP committees would look at the student's abilities and not assume that they can't do. Let's assume they can do. And let's That's use strengths point. in our planning, in our IEP planning and long-term goals. And no difference than um, typical children when you're looking and, and uh, ideas of what, what they might want to be when they grow up change as they grow and as they work with their families. The same is true for students uh, with disabilities. And so 
we're fortunate that we have those systems in place with the IEP planning committees, the annual reviews, that we really take the time to look at what the student's strengths are and what is out there and available. Um, also, to piggyback on that, so I would say one thing is high expectations for IEP teams. And then two is directors to reach out and make those connections to higher ed because it's not something that is fluid in every state. Um, and so to, you know, it's wonderful when there's more collaborative work and training with both special ed directors and higher ed at the same table. So I think that that is definitely an area for growth as well. It is. Yeah, and I what about, I, I, okay, Danny, do you want to say something? Yeah. Oh, just briefly, I was going to say that I, I, one thing that's also important for people to think about is inclusive education at the K-12 level really feeds into this college mindset. You know, if, if students Absolutely. with disabilities are learning alongside their non-disabled peers, they're going to be right. hearing and talking about other students that's and right. people who are thinking about college applications, thinking about going to college fairs or college visits. Without that type of inclusion, you're, you're creating kind of a separate set of expectations potentially, and that's very dangerous. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, which is probably inappropriate. I've got to phrase this the right way. Uh, what, 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 when we are talking about students with intellectual disabilities, in, in your mind as you say those words, who, who are we talking about? And I, I have to ask this for real. What are, what are the limits? Is there a, I, I don't know if you're going to help me through this. What, what's the limit of a capability for a kid? There are some kids, I assume, who just can't go. Okay, and help me out here. Get get me out of this mess. I just got myself in. I mean, I'll I'll go first, and then Bridget may want to weigh in. You know, Bridget had a great phrase earlier where she talked about presuming competence. And and I think the first step is always to presume competence. You know, some of the most – I know a lot of people with intellectual disability, and some of them have the the most incredible social skills of anyone I've ever met. (laughs) They have great memory retention. They have great knowledge-specific areas where they really have mastered certain areas. So, and I have weaknesses in some of those areas. So I don't think you can take any class of people, whether it's That's by gender, race, That's a great disability, answer. or disability, and say they all fall into this bucket or category because every person's different. Um, what I've seen, it, one thing that's important to note about this, this Think College network of programs around the country that I talked about, they are typically yep. not degree-seeking programs. So the students who go into this will not oh. necessarily receive a bachelor's degree. Now, you might say, well, that's terrible, but... It creates, it takes a little pressure off of the students in the college to make sure these students still have access to education, they still have access to their peers, to dorm life, to all the things you get in college, but they, and they're having the outcomes they're finding that you would expect someone going through college in terms of employment, post-secondary outcomes, but mm-hmm. it creates a, a different pathway and a different way of navigating college that might be more feasible and more uh, supportive for, for young adults with intellectual disability. Now, just to contrast that a little bit, my son Samuel does not have an intellectual disability. He has a physical disability. He goes to community college. He is working towards his associate's degree, and he gets a lot of support from the disability services office, you know, and he has something called a reasonable accommodation plan that allows him to have more time on tests or allows him to have a note taker in the classroom since he can't physically do it. So I think there, there are a lot of different ways to navigate college with a disability, and we just want to expand those options and expand those opportunities. I think that's great. I, I, I think that's great. Okay, I, I really do. And let's just take Samuel for a second. When he was in high school, I don't know where he went, but I assume he went somewhere near mm-hmm. Concord. Okay. Con- Concord and, how did, yeah. yeah, there you go. Okay, in Concord, New Hampshire. How did – uh, were the teachers able to to see this and accommodate him and make this work? Where, 
How'd that work? Yeah, we had. A and I know you're you are a great advocate, as, as a lot of parents are in this case. I think that's wonderful. But well, you know, sure. with the teachers and the school, how they do. It's important. Yeah, I mean, parents certainly all we all need to learn to advocate. That's part of the job description, yeah. whether you can have a disability great. or not. But and I there's think, a lot of potential in Samuel. Use Samuel. Use yeah. Samuel as the, as the just the generic. And there's a lot of potential sure. that we'd be wasting if we don't get these kids doing something. Okay. It's yeah. Important. Well, I, I'm thankful that I'm thankful the Concord School District was is very inclusive, and we are. And not every school district's like that, as as Bridget well knows, and we all know. Like a lot, it varies a lot, state to state, town to town school to school, literally classroom to classroom, you know, in terms of the level of quality of inclusion and the access. Samuel um, needed some very specific supports to be successful. He's in, he never learned to read fluently. He's got some learning challenges that we've never quite figured out. So all the information needed to be accessible to him auditorially. And the, the teachers, hmm. the special ed directors, special ed teachers, the regular ed teachers, they understood that. It was in his IEP. It was very clear in his individualized education plan. So that type of auditory access was very, very important. Um, he needed a paraprofessional. Paraprofessionals, as I'm sure Bridget would agree, are so undervalued, but so critically no. important to make Don't them get all it. Oh, That's, and, that's the, tr- the yeah. tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so yeah. he had a paraprofessional. So, I mean, there were things that the school certainly needed to do to support his success. His own hard work was probably the most determining factor. But without inclusion, without um, a really innovative set of teachers and educational practices, it would have been much more difficult for him to graduate Absolutely. with a regular diploma and go to college. And, and, and I admire him, and, and I wish him the best of luck. All that said, how did it, how did it work at community college? Were they able to supply it, the same type of thing? Because college is different from, from public high school. Right. Okay. And it's how were they great. able to handle yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm sure everybody had a good, good heart about it, but just I'm curious. Yeah. Well, it's more than a good heart. It's, it's first of all, it's following the law. It's following ADA. Yeah. Because ADA gives students certain rights for reasonable accommodations, both at the K through 12 level and in the college level, to access, you know, the same curriculum and the same buildings and everything else. Um, so mm-hmm. I would say at the yeah. community college level, <laughs> he just he takes one class a semester because that's just how he paces it out well. It takes okay. a lot of energy to, to, to dictate, yeah, to dictate his t- t- tests and papers and to, to maintain the information. And he's about three-quarters of the way to his associate's degree. Wow. And they've been very supportive and very, they've been very innovative, and the teachers have been great about getting him the PowerPoints ahead of time. He's got a geology class right now where they assign a lab partner who's a work-study student to make sure he can access the lab. So wow. it, it, I, I'm a big fan of community colleges. I think it's a great I am too, a huge a lot, fan of a lot of people. Yep. I'm a huge fan. I think that's the way everybody should go, to be perfectly honest. Okay. <laughs> I, I've, I've, always, I've always been in favor of that, and I really congratulate the school. And yeah, like you said, it's the law, but I also believe there, mm-hmm. that, a, that a lot of it is just people doing the right thing and going out of the way sure. to make it happen. Okay. And by the way, sure. what's, he getting, is this, what's he getting his degree in? Uh, general studies and liberal arts, but he wants to be a documentary filmmaker. Surprise, surprise! So, That's uh, what I yeah. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know where you go. Where do you get that idea? <laughs> but you know, yeah. I would say that the the, the folks that, that Bridget works with in Case and the special ed directors that are that are really excellent. There's so so many of them. They they're thinking of all these things. They're thinking of how are we going to make sure the student finds success in K through 12 school, and then how are they going to find success beyond that? Right, Bridget. I mean, that's a big part of the picture. Well, absolutely. And, you know, if, if you look at education historically and how far we've come from the civil rights movement and the giant strides that have been made, 
It's just the work's not done. We have to keep the diversity conversation and all these things on the forefront to continue right. to make positive impact, right? Um, and so that's absolutely what uh, CASE is dedicated to. And I really feel like post-COVID, it's a whole new ballgame. Change in education historically was very, very slow. And it's, um, it's kind of interesting. The change in business happens much more quickly. But then COVID happened, and we had to be very nimble. Um, and so when you look at things under a lens, and, and you're going to look at uh, things that are possible, when Dan was talking about uh, accessibility for his son, Samuel, you know, there's so many things technology-wise now that it is amazing what a Chromebook can do for yeah. uh, accessibility yeah. features and reading to students and, and having access. So a lot of those barriers are gone. It's just connecting the dots. And so that's what Case is always trying to do. Like, so our conversations with Dan, we've had another um, conversation with, a technology company that's or a group that really shows uh, all those accessibility features that we just have to get that information out and in people's hands because the directors and teachers and paraprofessionals they're they're on the front lines they're doing the work every day and sometimes it's hard to look up and look around <laughs> because you're so very busy and yeah, the work is yeah. challenging um, but that's why Case is here because we want to support directors and connect well, the dots and get all the resources that we possibly can to directors, teachers, and ultimately students. Yeah, and you know, I love, I love what Dan said. Dan, I just got to congratulate you what you yeah, said earlier ahead. about about UDL, Universal Design for Learning. Yes. You know, we, when mm-hmm. we force, I hate to say it this way, when we force that issue, it works out better for everybody. Okay, Every, yeah. it just works yeah. better. Okay, UDL is yeah. a good thing. And when, when you start to understand that, and a college professor to a kindergarten teacher, when you start to understand that, okay, literally your courses will be better because you start yeah. to get it, and then it becomes clear, and that's really, really important. The other thing I just got to say is, you know, I think this is very important, not just for the kids, okay, and that we don't want to lose track of that. It is important for a kid to feel good to go to college and all that sort of thing, okay? But there's a lot of – I think I said this before, but there's a lot of potential in these kids, mm-hmm. okay, that over the course yeah. of the 150 years, we probably have lost, okay? These kids aren't stupid, yeah. okay? They just have an yeah. intellectual disability, yeah. but we can tap yeah. into their good minds, okay, and come up yep. with some great stuff. They will come up exactly. with some great and, stuff. And yeah. It's Go so ahead. interesting yeah. that you're, you're talking about this because when we did, the, we did filming around the country for this video that we're premiering on April 24th as part of this week, and, uh, and the, the, it was incredible to hear college professors saying, we need to be doing universal design for learning. We, this is actually improving yeah, yeah. our educational strategy to it think is. about students who learn in all different ways. So we, and we also realize we need to speak to different audiences sometimes in different ways. So if, if you could allow me, I'll tell you what's going to happen this week on the April 24th. Um, we're going to start on Monday the 24th by kicking off this new video we produced, and we're going to have a panel of the students who are in the video talking about their own educational experiences in college, students with intellectual disability. Well, you know, then we're going to release all these new resources we've developed uh, for families, for transition professionals, for special education directors, for higher education uh, administrators. So we're going to let everyone know about that. And then throughout the week, each day, we have different sessions geared towards educators, like folks in CASE. Uh, on Tuesday the 25th, we've got one that's specific around transition educators. On Wednesday, we have one for families that are specific to families about who are thinking about college for their um, selves or their kids. On Thursday, we're focusing on higher education professionals. How can they introduce this type of access into their campuses around the country for students with intellectual disability? 
And then Friday, we're, we're winding it down with, like, ask me anything. You know, anybody that wants to know anything about what we've talked about, we're going to have an open forum. And it's all leading to a national inclusive post-secondary education day on May 1st, where all over the country, these 300-plus programs are going to be celebrating awareness around inclusive post-secondary ed. So we just want to make sure it's free. All this is free, and people can go to any of the Think College social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, and we'll also get you links, you know, put in your show, show notes uh, where people can register for this week. And it's just going to be one link, and it gets them to all these events, and they can also watch them on recording if they can't catch them live. Yeah, and I've got this uh, thinkcollege.net slash projects. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, I got it here. That, uh, yeah, that's one, and I'll, and I'll make sure you also have the, the access to this specific link. Oh, good. I'll, I'll pop it in here. Send it platform. to me. I'll get it in here. Okay. Yeah, I will. All right, that's excellent. Okay. You can give a card, Dan. This is great. Okay, you got to feel good about all this. It's really something big. Well, it's exciting. Nice. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, and again, having partnerships with groups like Case makes it, expands the impact tremendously. Yeah. So we can only reach so many people through our existing networks. You have a partner like Case getting the word out to their membership. It, it, it's a game changer, really. It really is. So we appreciate yeah, and, and, what and, you guys and, are doing. It is, and I'll say this, not only does it have to go to the, uh, I've said it before, it has, it has to go beyond the administrator or special ed. It has to go to the superintendents, to the principals, and to everybody involved, because you, you kind of said it, it takes a village, okay? And we've got mm-hmm. to get this going from minute one, okay? And if you yep. get it, it, well, changes, it, it changes the expectations. It changes the Larry, expectations. I- yes, dear. I think I've heard yes, you dear. say before, if you're an administrator in public education, you are an administrator of special education. Absolutely. Uh, because, you know, we're uh, students that access services are general ed students first. And so um, we definitely are trying to reach out and expand our resources and supports for all administrators, too, because they definitely are working hand in hand with all students. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just becomes more important every day. And, and we've realized over the course of many years that we can't afford to waste students. We've done that in the past. We've done it with kids of color. We've done it with kids who need special ed, et cetera, et cetera. You, we kind of pushed off to the side. Okay. We can't do that sure. anymore. The country can't do that no. anymore. Okay. And it shouldn't and, do that. I mean, it's both, yeah, it's it's both a pragmatic choice. Right, so you don't want to waste human resources in any way, and it's a it's a whole sort of human rights you know choice. Oh, it's, it's both. So many but, levels. But it's also just when you think of just the workforce right now and how there's such you know low unemployment rates right now, and there's a real workforce shortage. We need to be creating more and more people who want to work and can work, and and college is a great pathway for that. Absolutely, absolutely, you're doing a good job, guys. Congratulations, thank you, Bridget. I appreciate this. Thank you. Our pleasure. As always, it's great to talk with you, Larry, and um, we're happy to support Dan and Think Higher Think College. It's going to be a great week. And, and Bridget, next time you're on, you'll start off with your Chicago accent and it works its way quickly to the Arkansas one. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I'll see, I'll see if I can do that. <laughs> and, Dan, this is great. It's good to have you back on again. Good luck with all this and wonderful what you're doing. I appreciate it so much, Larry, and I really appreciate uh, the partnership with Case, Bridget. It's been wonderful, and it will continue to expand and grow, and we hope to see a lot of Case members um, joining us that week. I hope so, too. Okay, both of you, take care, and thank you. This was great. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you, Larry. You're welcome. Okay, what good people are. I love them. Okay, case, 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 CEC.org is the council.
of Administrative Special Education. Dan's going to send me a better link, but there is one up there, and I'm sure you can find it's linked up here on your screen. So please check this all out. This is really important. Again, we can't afford to waste students. You know, it's the old United Negro College for the mind's a terrible thing to waste, and it's true. Okay, it's, we were so dumb for so many years. Let's make some difference here. All right, we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. My name's Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Everything we do over at ace-ed.org is free for you. All about equity, all about inclusion, all about access. Check it out. <laughs> 